This episode brought to you by Cards Against Humanity. Uh, Dave, Dave, they asked us not, not to read an ad. And I asked them not to date my sister. Looks like no one's getting what they want. Cards Against Humanity. It's a fun game. Play it with your friends. It's available online. Sister's getting what she wants. Oh! Ah, enjoy the show! So we've taken the police tape off our front door. So come on down to Dave and Davey's mysterious discount oddities and fun time emporium. I'm Dave. And I'm Davey. The county don't shut us down twice, but third time's the charm. (laughs) (laughs) Dave and Davey's mysterious discount oddities and fun time emporium is back in business for all your holiday needs. We disregard a court order and pass the savings on to you. How about a big old bucket of stink? Four ninety nine. Enough for the whole family. Hell, I don't know what it is, but wear gloves. <laughs> <laughs> and for that special someone, Velvet Skunk Ape. Feels as good as it looks. You like Mexican drug angel candles? We got Mexican drug angel candles. On account of my cousin making it out of Tijuana alive, we got them all. Murder Lady. Johnny Raffle. And the Sinaloa Sissy Boy. Habla Spanish? Yeah! Say a little prayer for savings. Oh, and David Davies, mysterious discount out of this full time emporium. And if you celebrate Christmas, don't think we forgot about you. <laughs> Dirty EVP, $6.99. Christmas, I'm sorry, cards, three for $2.99. Hey, David, how do you last all Yule long? Well, hell, Dave, that's simple. Ground up fox testicles, just like the ancient Romans. <laughs> Are you serious? That really worked? Shut up! <laughs> Two packets for $3.95. So come on down to Dave and Davey's mysterious discount on an and fun time emporium. Hell, we're no closer to understanding our own inventory than you are. <laughs> I don't need to know what it is to put it on sale. And for the sports fan who has everything... How about something what didn't even exist before? That's right! The 2017 Expansion Chunky Merchandise is here! Dorchester Buckwudges! T-shirts! Bugs! Hell, I think we even got shower curtains! That don't make no sense! (laughs) Don't forget to enter our God's Mistake Sweepstakes! It's your chance to take home what the good Lord never intended! (laughs) So come on down to Dave and Davey's mysterious discount oddities and fun time emporium! And have a Merry New Year's Christmas! (laughs) (laughs) Is that the cops? Right. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm David Flora. I'm Dave Stecco, or what's left of his voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll just I'll just clean all that up with a nice uh, uh, Coke and bourbon. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Uh, welcome to Blurry Photos. Yes. Everybody. Hi. And uh, Hi there. And, Hi. And, and and welcome our newly elected leadership. Sure. Whoever whoever that may be. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I hope everybody has survived and is doing all right, thriving. Yeah, surviving. Been hot here in November, huh? Yeah, real warm here too. It's kind of lame. Like it super is lame. lame. I'm ready for more hoodies and yeah, uh, uh, 
I want and, to and pullover hoodies and zip up hoodies and I want nothing but but cold weather gear and misery to surround me. Right. Kim Kim says that I'll, I'm never happy unless I'm sitting in a puddle and someone's throwing ice cubes at me. She invented that. It's never actually happened, but she might be right. I'm going ice fishing in January, so I think that's as close as you can get. Are you doing that in Iowa? Yep. Yeah, so we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, I think so. So uh, let's let's turn our wandering conversation to something a bit more germane. <laughs> the, let's turn our uh, wandering body part that that you don't want to <laughs> talk about for manners. The wandering body part. What do we got here? Let's see. Oh my. Well, let's see. I think I think this week, as everyone knows, who's already clicked this in their phones, knows that it's time for us. To finally put up or shut up on a long-standing threat against you, the listener. <laughs> I found this uh, subject to be very interesting as as we went through. Yeah, uh, this was it. this was a winner in my book. Um, they, I'll be honest, it's tough to when we do like biographies of people because the story that surrounds people is almost universally more interesting than the person. And so while it's fun to get the facts of someone's life out there, I don't know. It's, it makes for not as titillating an episode as sometimes we like to do. Mayhaps, but not quite so this yeah. time around. And, and, and it's hilarious. It just shows you how piss ignorant I am that I was like, boy, this one's going to be rough. This one's going to be real dry. Wrong. Incorrect. Uh, Dave, he's poked his aquiline nose into subject after subject that we've covered. And seems he's always got something to say about a vastitude of topics. Vastitude? That's a lot. An interesting enterprise for someone who lived at the beginning of the common era. Hmm. So. <laughs> Wait, what was that sound? Hmm. Time to tie down the mainmast, mateys. Because there he is. The cunning kingfish. The bad barracuda. A man so deep, he's almost unfathomable. Wow. A man so quick. He's even fast. Asleep. Is he the man to see when your broker when your broker's a broker? He's he's the man to be introduced by Bob Hoskins. <laughs> That's right. We're going to be discussing Pliny the Elder. Are you going to stick a flag in Pliny? We're not going to go with Pliny. I am going to go with Pliny. Well, because his name was Plinius. Yeah, still going with whiny Pliny. It's more fun for me, so get used to that. You know what? It's uh, it's a, it's a Crowley-ism. Yeah, there you go. Do what I want, America. Soldier, author, all-around curioso. <laughs> the curiosi. Gaius Plinius Secundus was a Roman jack of many trades who ended up having a profound influence on education and culture for centuries after his death. He was a bit of a believer of his day, compiling knowledge of the mundane and strange simply for humanity's edification. His surviving works offer a glimpse into Roman technology and understanding of nature at the time, a snapshot worth more than its weight in denarii of culture. We can now look back and laugh at some of the remedies he listed, the ideas of faraway lands and creatures, and the explanations of things we take for granted. But his efforts gave us a model for future encyclopedias, and, for our purposes, a nice selection of weird and wild things to muse over. 
<laughs> we'll be taking a look at his life and his works, in particular the Naturalis Historiae, the only work to survive. And uh, I think we should have time for some of his more interesting remedies and creatures found therein. What do you I think should hope you? so. I should. I should hope so. I should hope so. You. I said hope. I said hope. I said hope. Ho. What do you think? What's your uh, initial impressions? Well, I, here's the thing. Like my initial impression prior to actually sitting down and researching it is that he was just like a weird vagabond wanderer whose greatest qualification was that he was literate and just wrote down things, which in a lot of historical cases is really all you needed to be. If you're the right. guy who can write stuff down. Um, but the, the research uh, of, of, of a much more curious, much more educated, much more focused guy. I really, just because he showed up in so many weird things, just had this idea that he was like a guy who was just wandering around all the damn time. It just happened to be where shit was happening, wrote about it, sent a letter home, and moved on with his day. Yeah, or or not even went there, just heard about it. Yeah, he was like the Lauren, then- Lauren Coleman of the... <laughs> He he just like Lauren Coleman just happens to be where shit's happening and writes about it and people know. Hmm. Um, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. I've never seen the Dover Demon and Lauren Coleman in the same room at the same time. Oh. I never happened to be in the same room when Lauren Coleman comes to talk to us at the same time. <laughs> well, that's probably for the best. I don't think you wanted to be there when it happened. Whoops. <laughs> We foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, w- w- listen, w- w- we're we're still kind of going through the audio, and we're gonna meet up with Dark Mark Soloff so that we can kind of do a wrap up of the Paracon episode, and and we'll get we'll get to it. Let's just we'll say that I don't think Lauren Coleman's mad at me, but um, <laughs> tease that right. That's yeah. a tease. All right. Okay. Well, let's 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 get back on task here. All right. First thing you need to know is that Pliny was born around the year 24, common era. He was alive at the same time as Chasus. As the Christ. It's just going to get worse and worse until it's just blocks of sound. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, so, was, I mean, he was born in uh, Novum Comum, which is modern-day Como, which what? is a small city in the region known as Gallia Transpadana, or Transpadana, however you like it. Uh, by all accounts, his family was very well off, being members of the equities class, um, which was, at that time, not unlike being a knight. Um, its citizens of this class were largely equestrians and served as cavalry leaders in the military. Technically, like I think there was the, it was their wealth that determined their rank, uh, in that if your family could afford... Um, a chest plate, a helmet, hand weapons, and a horse. Welcome aboard. If you can, <laughs> if you, if you can afford all these things, you're in. Um, and that over time, that became sort of a stratified, stratified Roman class. Mm. His family also had a net worth of approximately forty thousand denarii, which I guess was a lot back then, uh, making them very influential in the business class. And he had one sister. Guess what his name? Guess what her name was? Susan. Nope. Theodore. Plinia. Because his parents, they, they just really, mm, they love that name. Yep. At 10 years old, he was bundled off to Rome to be educated, where he studied rhetoric and public speaking, as did everyone that was literally the 
education for uh, for wealthy Romans. Uh, literature, law, uh, there was very little specialization there. But yeah, rhetoric, rhetoric and public speaking followed by uh, literature and law. Yeah, probably some courtly manners or something. Uh, the That history of uh, Rome podcast that I never shut up about uh, went into a lot of great detail about how their their education system was set up and that the 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 best thing you, most of what they did in 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 quote unquote school was just recitation they just recited what other people uh old speeches and things like that a lot of recitation because the best thing you could be was uh, a good public speaker good at um uh debating arguing which segued into understanding of the law because the the way that roman law worked is uh, it was very easy, as it is now, if you are ignorant of the law, to be victimized by it. There wasn't a lot of, of, of inherent protections there. Um, and, and a lot of people, you know, it, it, much like it does today, it's kind of tragic in my mind, but it cost money in, to, to defend yourself in court, whether you were innocent or not. Um, and so a lot of, uh, most everyone had to have some knowledge of the law just to function at that level in society. If you're wealthy, you need to be able to defend yourself uh, or you'll, you know, you're not only lose your wealth to court orders, but you'll also lose it over time to other lawyers. So every family made sure that their, their children were pretty well versed in the law of, of that, of that general class, especially a firstborn. I would also have to think that, uh, it would help if you wanted to become a senator, you know, that, that sort of is the, uh, it seems like a, go- a, a goal, you the, know, like if you want to be very powerful and influential, you strive to be a senator of the time. Is that yeah, part of it? You could, you wanted to get into the Senate, but I'll say this, um, from what I understand of it is that it had entirely to do with how much money you had and nothing to do with how qualified or well you did in school. Right. Um, but if you, if anyone ever earned their way into the Senate. Oh yeah. But, but if you're in there, it helps to be able to debate, I would think though. Right. Cause you're um, arguing with other senators all the time. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean the, the Senate was not a, a, a really useful body and depending on, and I forget at which point it was in the, and I'm feeling like since it's CE, I feel like the Senate's power at this point was greatly reduced. It was largely so they were not in there discussing like big questions of the day and how to best govern things. They were mostly fighting with each other over petty squabbles and trying to yeah. amass personal power and wealth. But even then, you got to be smart to play that game. Right. Being from the equities class, he was eventually called for military service. And he took a junior officer position of Tribune in 45 CE. He was stationed in Gallia, Belgica, and liked the military enough to stay in and progress through the ranks a bit to become prefect of a cavalry union. I've been drinking, Dave. <laughs> Dave's you know, already stopped me and made me reread something. <laughs> and bless him, he's right. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> I'm just going through here, like fighting every syllable. <laughs> it, uh, I, I, I really agonized about. It. I was like, should I stop him? I don't want if he's going to think I'm stepping on his dick. But when he re- when he listens to that, he's going to hear it. You're you're completely right. <laughs> now, in '47, the new commander of the army in the Lower Rhine, whose name was Gnaeus Domitius Corbulo, arrived and invaded the country of the Frisians and the Chaucy. 
two tribes living along the Wadden Sea. For those of you following at home with your maps. With your with your uh, turn of the millennia map. Right. What do they call that? I mean, it is a turn of a millennia, but it's like the, the odometer starts there. Yeah, that's a good point. Is is it is it the turn of the turn of the common era map? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Pliny's unit was part of it, and he recalled a time when the army had to cross Lake Flevo, saying The shores are occupied by oaks, which have given a vigorous growth rate, and these trees, when undermined by the waves or driven by blasts of wind, carry away vast islands of soil trapped in their roots. Thus balanced, the oak trees afloat in an upright position, with the result that our fleets have often been terrified by the wide rigging of their huge branches when they have been driven by the waves. Almost deliberately, it would seem, against the bows of ships riding at anchor for the night. Consequently, our ships have had no option but to fight a naval battle against trees, if you can believe it. (laughs) Better write this down. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so apparently in in this lake, uh, their ships... We're going to cross, but trees got uprooted along the banks and floated through, I guess, and, and, and hit the boats and stuff. Pretty wild. Pliny continued his service in the army, visiting places around Germania, such as the hot springs at Wiesbaden and the sources of the Danube. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> A decorative phalera, or piece of harness with his name on it, has been found at Castra Vetera a large Roman army and naval base on the lower Rhine River. It bears an inscription formed from punched dots. Plinio Prefic, i.e. Plinio Prefecto Equitum, or Pliny Prefect of Cavalry. Now, during this period in the military, uh, Pliny made friends with several men of letters. Wink! They're, uh, they're all varsity ball players. Yeah, they've got uh, those jackets with the leather sleeves. Yep. Uh, or upper-class Romans who would help him later in life. Uh, it was also during this time that he was said to have written his first book, Dejaculate Equestri, which was a guide to throwing... Dejaculation. <laughs> um, <laughs> really? Dejaculation. <laughs> yeah. It's Dejaculatone Equestri, which is looks just like Dejaculatone Equestri. So just we'll just let that one hang there. Yeah, yeah. hang it out to dry. Gross. Uh, Gross. Which was a guide to throwing the javelin or lance on horseback, uh, which has since been lost to time. Ooh. Uh, Yeah, we'll never have those secrets back. Ooh. One night, according to him, he dreamt that the spirit of Drusus Nero begged him to save his memory from oblivion. So he began writing that he would later become a 20, what would later become a 20 volume work called The History of the German Wars which was also lost. Boo! Uh, in these years, he wrote a second book, The Life of Pompe- uh, Pomponius Secundus, and it was a biography. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> you hate everything. I, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> it was a biography of his commander and mentor, and most likely written as an homage, trying to get the commander to also dejaculatone equestry. <laughs> it was... It was important from a literary point of view because the Romans had not yet developed the biographical genre. So way to go, Pliny. 
You are the first really elaborate multi-page suck-up. I'm trying to find in Google Maps some of these places, but I'm not. I, I bet they don't exist on Google Maps. Right? Um, maybe if you if you gurgle them individually, they might have something. Like, um, what was the Wadden thing? The Wadden Sea. Yeah, but the Wadden Sea. The thing is, is it, it does come up, but it's like, it's not where he was. Oh, yeah? It, it's, it's, it's off the coast of Denmark, like off the northern coast of Germany. Oh, that could be it, though. No. Well, I mean, he was in Gallia, Belgica. It's Belgium. I don't know. Yeah, I guess he could have gotten up there, which really really surprises me. But even then, though, the, the galaxy and the Wadden Sea. Yeah, all right. I'll do whatevs. Sure, I'm into it. That's why we do these things, because we don't know. We don't know, and we like to learn. A boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. TGI Friday. Right. Right after Step by Step. <laughs> uh, now, around 59, he returned to Rome to study and practice law. Uh, we can tell this from his writings that he was well acquainted with several Roman emperors, whether on good terms or not. Uh, he did recognize that Caligula was a few gladiators short of a Colosseum before madness took him in 41. He was also close with Claudius, but he was not friends with Nero. In fact, he kept his head down and his mouth shut during the reign of uh, Nero, which, which is a real smart move. Nero got to really enjoy killing people. Yep. A lot of purges. Yep. You know what I heard? What? You, this might have been from you. The vomitorium was not where you went to throw up. Yeah, it is not. A vomitorium is where people exit a building. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I someone told me that. I forget who now, and I hope, I, a, I hope they listen to the podcast, and B, I hope they're real mad that I don't remember who it was that. Maybe it was Kim. It was probably Kim. She's always right on those things, and I'm always wrong. See, Fixes me. What's frustrating is you've been taught that. I say you, and by I the, mean me. By the mainstream media? By uh, John Q. College professor. By the, you mean the liberal college eggheads? It was, it was a liberal arts college. Yeah, you're taught, oh, they, th- this was where they went and, and purged their bodies because they wanted to be thin, and they also walked out of there. <laughs> I don't know what to believe. Supposedly, they had a rag on a stick and a bucket of water in the bathroom, and that's what they used, too, when they were done with the bathroom. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, what What do you believe, man? Rome on HBO, I guess I can believe that. Those people do a lot of research. Yeah. Yeah, they do. I mean, then they ignore it, you know? <laughs> like <laughs> to, to, to make a false person. Well, to- just, to, just to make it you know interesting they have to like understand the history of something and then fictionalize it to make it interesting mm. sorry i dejaculatione on on what you were saying oh no that's okay i was on horseback while he was retired from public life he devoted his time to studying literature and wrote three non-controversial books which was about the only thing you could do and keep breathing at that time yeah. uh, he wrote the scholar which was on rhetoric uh problems in grammar which was on language and the continuation of the history of Aphidius Bassus. Apparently, uh, his style of writing was considered strange, although, again, no one really knows in what way. 
as, yeah, as opposed to what? I, I think they knew back then, but I I sure couldn't tell you. Well, I know, but I'm not going to tell you. How do you feel now? Well, I, I feel like I'm cheated a little. Well, I feel like I got cheated a little bit. <laughs> so also around this time, uh, his sister, Plinia, gave birth to Gaius Caecilius Secundus. Now, her husband died shortly after, and Pliny ended up adopting the boy, but the uh, official adoption was done posthumously in his will when he left everything to the young Gaius, who took his uncle's name as Gaius Plinius Caecilius Secundus, or Pliny the Younger. Through his writings, we know the most about Pliny the Elder. This was also the time a civil war broke out, because people were pissed at Nero with Roman generals vying to overthrow the deranged emperor. Vespasian emerged the victor, and through his son and Pliny's friend, Titus, Pliny was granted several procuratorships starting in 70 CE. He administered taxes and justice in Gallia Narbonensis, Africa, Hispanic Terraconensis, and Gallia Belgica. It's thought that during this period, he began work on his magnum opus, the thing for which he is best known, Naturalis Historiae, a 37-book compilation of what knowledge Pliny could gather on everything about the natural world. Some sources say he didn't actually start writing this until about 77. It's not sure when he actually started, yeah. but probably not before this period. We'll come back to this. So he returned to Rome around 76 CE, working in the Emperor's Advisory Council with a function in the Imperial Palace. Pretty spiffy job, right? Pliny the Younger was living with him at the time and wrote of the Elder's odd but disciplined routine. Uh, he would rise halfway through the night. In winter, it would often be at midnight or an hour later, and at two at the latest. Admittedly, he fell asleep very easily, and he would often doze and wake up again during his work. Before daybreak, he would visit the Emperor Vespasian, who also made use of his knights, and then go to attend his official duties. On returning home, he devoted his spare time to his work. After something to eat, which by the way, his meals during the day were light and simple in the old-fashioned way. In summer, when he's not too busy, he would often just lie in the sun like a schmuck, and a book was read aloud while he made notes and extracts. He made extracts of everything he read, and he always said that there was no book so bad that some good could not be got out of it. He had the good fortune to die way before the Twilight books. <laughs> After his rest in the sun, he generally took a cold bath, which at the time we just called a bath, and then he ate something and had a short sleep, after which he worked till dinner time, as if he'd started on a new day. A book was again read aloud during the meal, and he took rapid notes sometimes using ketchup and a french fry. <laughs> You'd be surprised how accurate his handwriting was with, <laughs> with a french fry. Of course, at that time, we just called it a gall fry. Uh... Shortly thereafter, he was made prefect of one of two Roman fleets. It was stationed at Mycenaeum and was responsible for the safety of the Tyrrhenian Sea. Here's another one for you, Dave. Although the sailors were also kind of a reserve army. He lived there with his sister and nephew until August of 79, when the volcano Vesuvius became active. My uncle's scholarly acumen saw at once that it was important enough for, for closer inspection, and he ordered a fast boat to be made ready, 
telling me I would come with I could come with him if I wished. I pref- I replied I prefer to go on with my studies. No thank you. And as it happened, he had given me some writing to do. I got I'm busy enough, elder, <laughs> old man, b- boat boat captain. <laughs> Uh, what followed has been confused by time and legend with several possibilities for what became of Plenty the Elder. Number one, possibly the the end. He launched warships to go to the aid of the people fleeing Pompeii, Campania, and Stabiae, but winds and tide would not allow them to leave the harbor, and so he died saving lives. Number two, Pliny the Elder was a curious cat. Meow! He wanted to study the eruption from the base of the volcano, but ended up suffocating from the noxious fumes. Number three. What did I even write? Oh, you Tried were drunk when you wrote it. You're drunk when you read it. David Flora, all did I give to deal with the f***ing sober Flora I used to know a week ago? <laughs> he tried to go see a friend in Stabiae, but because he was a fat old man by then, he died of a heart attack before shit got real. Number four, a little of each. He headed for the volcano, hoping to get a closer look, and, rather ironically, to reassure the locals. After receiving a letter from a friend's wife asking for rescue, he ordered a boat and took it into the danger zone (laughs) over his helmsman's objections. He visited his... (laughs) This is the best part. He visited his friends, took a bath, (laughs) ate a meal, took a nap, reassured the locals things would be fine, and then he suggested everybody head to the beach for some R and R. Friends heard his labored breathing during his earlier nap on the beach as he reclined and drank water to cool off. His condition apparently worsened. Now, whether he suffocated from volcanic gases or died of a heart attack, because he was neither young nor fit, is hard to say. Either way, he died how he lived in a cloud of noxious fumes during a volcano eruption. (laughs) (laughs) What more can be said of this hero? (laughs) He never married, and he had no children, Dave. Well, yeah, he was devoted to his books and his his dejectatoriums. (laughs) Plenty the Younger, having been bequeathed all of his uncle's fortune, wrote an epitaph saying... The fortunate man, in my opinion, is he to whom the gods have granted their power either to do something which is worth recording or to write that which is worth recording. And the most fortunate of all is he who can, eh, eh, do both, exactly. Such a man was my uncle. Don't forget by my book, Little Pliny. <laughs> About growing up with Pliny the Elder, who, until I was born, was just Pliny. But I'm Lil Pliny. I'm the Dickens. Now I'm the Pliny. <laughs> now we can all do it. <laughs> That's right, you fuckers. <laughs> from, from now on, it's just Pliny. First one of you calls me the younger, I break his fucking neck with a bat. <laughs> Anybody? You motherfuckers. <laughs> it's probably best for the podcast, but I personally regret not being more Pesci-esque from the get. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was the life yeah. of old Pliny the Elder. Yeah. What, what Vesuvius a, took that motherfucker out. Yeah. Yeah. What, what a crazy life, though. I mean, I was surprised 
at how much of a military man he was. Never expected that. I I mean, I kind of uh, he is briefly mentioned in that history of Rome. Um, kind of in the same way that Jesus is mentioned in that when it comes to the actual functional history of Rome, didn't really have a hell of a lot to do with it while they were doing, you know? So the, it, he did kind of mention it because he's such a notable guy. But yeah, I I always saw him as a, as a lifelong academic. I guess if he had really held my feet to the fire, I guess, of course, they they all start military there, but I didn't, maybe Pliny dodged it, I thought. I was, I'm yeah. with you. That's, that's my really lengthy way of agreeing with you. Ditto. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, that How about you can tell me to tell you, I'll tell you what we're talking about. Oh, wait, am I drunk now? Wait, which one of us is drunk? You're getting a contact buzz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no sh. You all right? I learned it from watching you. <laughs> drunk by proxy. <laughs> tell us about this, uh, histoire. Natural. Mm-hmm. Sachet, Shantae. Uh, now, it's the only work of his to survive. Uh, On Natural History is an immense and monumental project detailing about 20,000 facts from 2,000 volumes by 100 authors, according to Pliny. Uh, this he then rendered down into a svelte 37-volume history that had a table of contents that, when translated into English, required more than 70 pages itself. Damn, son. Volume one uh, mostly summarized the remaining 36 books. Uh, volume <laughs> two covered. Cheat uh, book. <laughs> cheat book. Quit padding it. <laughs> it is the purpose of these volumes. It's a whole volume of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, volume two is co- uh, covered cosmology and astronomy. Volumes three through six describe geography. Seven through 11 zoology, uh, which included everything from people to fish to bugs uh, and relied strongly on the teachings of Aristotle. Uh, 12 through 19 were botany, including much of the work of Theophrastus. Yeah, where to go mm-hmm. first try at that word. Uh, volumes 20 through 32 were devoted to drugs and medicine. Sweet. 33 through 37, rocks, metals, and precious stones. Um, and he took from earlier authors and historians and verified very little, which is where we always run into him because... <laughs> Uh, yeah, he was just like, sure, if they said it, good enough for me. <laughs> Sometimes adding the classic that we've come here at the podcast to love so fucking much as oh, yeah. some people say, or so the story goes, sources indicate. Yeah, you know. ancient alien theorists right. believe. <laughs> right? <laughs> he opposed the use of illustrations because he was an asshole, thinking that they would be degraded by repeated copying. It can be argued that next to Aristotle, Pliny was probably the single most influential scholar in antiquity. And by the middle of the 15th century, some 200 manuscript versions of his natural history were floating around in the educated world. His authority was unchallenged, partly because of a lack of more reliable. There's just who the f*** do you ask? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, If if not him. What other encyclopedia are you (laughs) going to look to? Exactly. Plinypedia? Gaius Britannica had yet to be born. (laughs) Uh, Partly because of his assertions were not, uh, and in many cases, or could not be tested. Uh, By the end of the 17th century, natural history had been rejected by leading scientists. Um, Up to that time, however, Pliny's influence, especially on non-scientific writers, was thorough and complete. Uh, The work was dedicated to Titus and was written, quote, written for the masses, the horde of farmers and artisans, 
and finally, her fat bottom girls who make my rocking world go round. Now get on your bikes and ride! <laughs> get on your cavalry and dejaculate! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. And finally, for those who have time to devote to these pursuits, Vita Vaginalia Est. Vaginalia? Vita, Vita Viglia Est, he said. To be alive is to be watchful. Vigilia, as in vigilant. Yeah, you're Vigilia. You don't, another, don't bring that up on the podcast. You got another one? You got another one? Uh, like many robots, like like many romans. <laughs> Are you a man you or a roman? <laughs> um, like many Romans, uh, Pliny criticized luxury on moral and medical grounds. Uh, his random comments on diet and on the commercial sources and prices of the ingredients of costly drugs provide valuable evidence relevant to contemporary Roman life. So just old man complaining about the price of a loaf of bread. Did you ever notice... How tincture of iodine is just keeps going up. Yeah. Is there less of it now? <laughs> oh, here's a good one. Uh, Pliny was also something of a debunkster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sought to expose magi and other sorcerers as frauds. Yeah. Uh, many of the accounts he listed were not new, some having been written about four centuries before, but Pliny definitely made them better known with by their inclusion uh, into, into the... 18,000 volumes quote when I have observed nature she has always induced me to deem no statement about her incredible she's quite a lady oh whoa whoa oh. what a lady yes and that nature is mine dude looks like a lady, a lady. Mm. but I mean I guess yeah like it, it's the he's like the first guy to do it so yeah, you just—he's just compiling as much shit as he can and putting it into one volume, which is a a pretty worthwhile thing to do, even if it's not the most accurate thing that ever. Cropped oh yeah, out. he wasn't doing it to not be accurate either. He was doing it so that he yeah. had all that information. It's like this is what we know. Yep, here it is all together. Commendable. I'm kind of surprised that it took that long to do something like that. Writing had been around for a while. Right, Herodotus, but, Aristotle, like all the all those boys, all them good old boys. But keep it. But I think I think I don't think that it could have, because think about how large the Roman Empire was at that time, and that you could, you know, like with no one prior to him to that point in history had that combination of uh, ability to read, time to read, training, and then travel through such a huge amount of area. Uh, and kind of and well, seek out sources. I mean, I would argue one person, but he was pretty busy, so he didn't. He doesn't fit the time to write, and that was Alexander the Great. Yeah, he was a little busy. He was and, busy, and but he, they his, definitely went places. <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't. He wasn't so much of a righty righty as a stabby stabby sort of guy. <laughs> True. Yeah, he 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 went down that military path, and military I'm, and I'm, path. I wouldn't be at all surprised if uh, there weren't inclusions. I mean, I'm sure people with Alexander were writing and taking notes, and I'm sure that that stuff also appears in here. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I guess also it, it, it takes a long time to have, you know, before you can say I'll stand on the shoulders of giants and put all of your knowledge together, 
that means that you need a couple of hundred years of people writing down what we know, you know, I guess. <laughs> and giants. Maybe everyone up to that point, all those books that he included were, were everything we everything I, we know right. <laughs> as of today, you know. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess before him, it was, uh, here's how to ride a horse. And, and that's it. That's right. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to make wine. <laughs> Stop asking about the fucking wine, people. I don't know how to cure carbuncles. <laughs> I certainly don't know how to dejaculate from from horseback. <laughs> Anybody who says otherwise is a liar. Uh, Dave, now we're at the fun part. Yes. This yes. is so fun. I included uh, pa- uh, page pages of uh, things ripped from the the natural history book of fantastic beasts and where to find them and the medicine uh that some of some of the highlights of the the medicinal practices and i've got a few things of his philosophy pulled out of there now we don't have to go through all of them because there's quite a bit but let's pick uh, some cool ones out yeah and if we get to all of them then f- it we'll get to all of them f- it i think we can i think we can if we it's if up we, to you if we scoot through them all right i got the scoots all right, so to kick it off, uh, here's something that you, I don't know if you knew this, Dave, what? about bears. Well, I know that bears beats Battlestar Galactica. You're right. Bears, when first born, are shapeless masses of white flesh, a little larger than mice, their claws alone being prominent. The mother then licks them gradually into proper shape. <laughs> They're like little, like, Shugru blobs that just have to get molded <laughs> up right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, here's an important fact. The basilisk, which puts to flight even the very serpents, killing them sometimes by its smell alone, is said to be fatal to a man if it only looks at him. Its blood, the magi prays to the skies, telling how it thickens as does pitch and resembles pitch in color, but becomes a brighter red than cinnabar when diluted. They claim that it provides cures for disease and amulets against sorcery. Some call it Saturn's blood. Arabia has one bird that is famous before all others. The king of birds. Though perhaps it is fabulous. The phoenix. The only one in the world and hardly ever seen. The story is that it is as large as an eagle and has a gleam of gold around its neck and all the rest of it is purple. But the tail, blue, picked out with rose-colored feathers and the throat, picked out with tufts and a feathered crest adorning its head. The first and most detailed Roman account of it was given by Manilius, the eminent senator famed for his extreme and varied learning acquired without a teacher, <laughs> self-taught, <laughs> bootstraps, he stated that nobody has ever existed that has seen one feeding, and that in Arabia it is sacred to the sun god, that it lives 540 years, that when it is growing old, it constructs a nest with sprigs of wild cinnamon and frankincense, fills it with scents and lies on it till it dies that subsequently from its bones and marrow is born first a sort of maggot, and this grows into a chicken, and that this begins by paying due funeral rites to the former bird and carrying the whole nest down to the city of the sun near Panchaya, 
and depositing it upon an altar there. Nothing about a fire. No, wait, wait. Mm. So the chicken carries the nest down? Yep. Then the chicken goes to college, and if it gets good enough grades, it's a, it becomes a, a, a phoenix third class. Yes. And if it marries into the correct foul lineage, <laughs> if it kills its enemies, is it murder most foul? <laughs> you burned it, and that's what should have been done with that one. It You're right. I don't have good ones for this, so. Here's a good tip if you're camping. Dragon's fat is shunned by <laughs> venomous creatures, and so too when burnt is that of the Ichnumon. They shun too those rubbed with nettles pounded in vinegar. So, you know, if you're worried about venomous creatures, get yourself some dragon's fat or at least pound some nettles with vinegar. Yeah. Good camping tip. Easy peasy. Now, Dave, if you remember, uh, I think it was this past miscrypted that, that we talked about the Astomi. Yep. I do. The ones who survive on smelling. That's a plenty uh, special. Uh huh. Plenty day night special. Here's some others. According to the account of Megasthenes, dwelling upon a mountain called Nulo, there is a race of men who have their feet turned backwards with eight toes on each foot. There, there you go. Wow. That's a weird thing. On many of the mountains, again, there is a tribe of men. See, the, again. Uh, on on um, on mountains, somewhere, <laughs> there is a tribe of men who have the heads of dogs and clothe themselves with the skins of wild beasts. Instead of speaking, they bark and, furnished with claws, live by hunting and catching birds. According to the story, as given by Cetesius, the number of these people is more than a hundred and twenty thousand. Dogmen. Yeah, bird-eating dogmen. Africa produces, darkest Africa produces elephants. They are also found in the countries of the Ethiopians and the Troglodytae, but it is India that produces the largest. <laughs> you sounded like you put yourself in the penalty box. <laughs> as it's how it's spelled. As well as the dragon, which is perpetually at war with the elephant and is itself of so enormous size as easily to envelop the elephant's with its folds and encircle them in its coils. <laughs> the contest is equally fatal to both. The elephant, vanquished, falls to the earth and by its weight crushes the dragon which is entwined around it. Oh, so sad. Is that just a caw? Is that is that just a, a big boa constrictor that tries to eat an elephant? I don't think so. I think that's just made the f*** up. Oh. Because, like, in the... Like, I don't know a ton about snakes. I feel like all the biggest snakes are in South America, but there are big snakes in other places. But I don't, I don't know what the snake elephant overlap is. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Could, maybe it is a dragon. Sounds an awful lot like a snake. You know where we could, you know where we could check, Paonia, where it Why? is said there is a wild animal known as the the Bonassus, which is just an extra animal that you just get for free. It's just. <laughs> Uh, it has the mane of the horse, but is in other aspects like the bull with horns. However, so much bent backwards inwards on each other as to be of no use for the purposes of combat. It has therefore to depend on its flight. And while in the act of flying, oh, it oh, sends... Oh, by the way, it can fly. <laughs> oh, do you feel like that's not enough? Because allow me to tell you what happens. <laughs> While in the act of flying, it sends forth its excrements, sometimes to a distance of even three jugera, 
the contact. Uh, let's see how, how long's a Jagera. Wow. That's 71 meters per Jugarum. <laughs> so this thing is really hurling some shit. <laughs> Dejaculatione some shit. Yeah, this is where he learned it. The contact of which burns those who pursue the animal, just like a kind of fire. Look out, hot shits. Hot shits. <laughs> hot shit coming through. <laughs> Look out! That's the that's the Bonassus. It's got a real bad case of hot ass. Yeah, hot asses. Woof. Um, those that's that's a taste. That is but a taste. Yes. The fantastical and fabulous creatures contained therein. Dave, have you read any of the 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 natural history book? Nope. Or any of the books? Nope. Yeah, it's it's worth it's worth a perusal. There's all kinds of shit in there. And if that wasn't enough, if, if flying flaming shit wasn't enough for you. Because usually it is. Usually it is. Yeah, usually that will satisfy. <laughs> it will sate me. But uh, let's talk about some of his home remedies. Oh, please. Plenty's medicines straight from Dr. Feelgood <laughs> to you, to your carbuncles. Gross. Um, Dave, if you had epilepsy... I could help you with that. Plenty could help you with that. Good. All you would have to do to cure epilepsy is eat the heart of a black jackass. Bla- a, bla- a black ass? A black ass outside on the second day of the moon. Alternatively, now if you don't want to do that, eat lightly poached bear testes, a dried camel brain with honey, or drink fresh gladiator's blood. Oh, I'm going to go with the gladiator's blood, please. That'll do it. Oh, wow. How about, what about, what if you're incontinent, Flora? Let me hit you with this. I always am. (laughs) To cure incontinence, touch the tips of the genitals with linen or papyrus. Alternatively, drink a glass of wine mixed with the ash of a burned pig's penis. Or, (laughs) urinate in your or your neighbor's dog's bed. Turnabout's fair play, Fido. <laughs> if you have urinary incontinence, are you? I mean, you just have to stand by the bed because <laughs> it's not like you can hold it. That's the whole problem. Wow, the tips of the genitals with linen or papyrus. That's not too bad. That seems doable. Touching tips. Yeah, yeah. You can, just the you tip. Can touch, just, just the tip. Flora, you got any more? Are there, are there any more? Oh yeah, let's stay down there. Uh, <laughs> how about hemorrhoids? Oh, yeah. Uh, I sure hope it's gentle. <laughs> I tell you what. It's a cream. Okay. You're going to love it. Good. It's it's very soothing. Probably has some tingling sensation. Uh, use a cream made from pig lard and the rust of a chariot wheel. What? <laughs> no? You don't want to do that? Alternatively... Use swan fat or the urine of a female goat. <laughs> so I got to stand behind a female goat and I've already got hemorrhoids. I'm going swan fat. I'm going swan fat. Swan fat. Man, swans are pretty lean. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Flora, if while you're waiting with your little amphora to catch all that goat urine, uh, you get kicked oh, in the head. If you, if you get a, uh, a, a headache... Oh. You can fix that really easily. All you have to do is tie some fox genitals to your head. <laughs> I've got some right here. Yeah. 
you know, check check the junk drawer. There's usually some fox genitals rattling around in there. I mean, aptly named. <laughs> These are great. These are wonderful. <laughs> Isn't this awesome? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? If we're out to dinner, uh huh, and uh, you know we're we're just uh, waiting on the the spaghetti to get to us, and right, you're, you're, you're just wolfing down that that free breadsticks. Well, that's why we that's why we exclusively go to the Olive Garden. <laughs> endless breadsticks and you start choking on one of those pieces of bread Uh uh-huh i i can help you or you can help yourself thank god if you don't panic just take a piece from the same loaf of bread and put it in each ear i i'll tell you what how the would he think that works i mean like i i get the other stuff i don't know you know like say if you're if you got a hemorrhoid maybe i'll bet you like just putting a bunch of greasy fat on there yeah. would just like lard and dust. Maybe that would help. I don't know, but it would take a long time to determine if it helped. But a person choking on bread—that I'm surprised made it in. Uh, I'm I'm surprised by that. That one is is sort of testable without much effort. Oh God. Yeah. Put, put the bread in your ear. Do you know that girls are born more quickly than boys? And, what? Uh, just as they grow old more quickly. Oh, well, I knew that part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, boys move often in the womb and are generally carried on the right side, while girls are generally carried on the left. So that's how you can tell. You're a witch. Yep. Well, here's something. A man's urine in which a lizard has been drowned. Stop. Isn't Stop. You already have me. <laughs> <laughs> is an anti-aphrodisiac potion. You will not get it up with this. Nice. Does it? Do I just apply it? Is it like head on? Do I Is apply it, it direct? Or yeah. Do I apply it directly to the forehead? It? Do oh? Do I just touch the tip? Just touch the tip to it. Also, so are snails and pigeons droppings drunk with olive oil and wine. Just mix it in there. Oh. Just you know, down the hatch. Oh God. It will. You will lose your your javelin that you want to throw from that horseback immediately. <laughs> um, what if, uh, what if, uh, Flora, if you get a toothache? Uh, that's, let me, that's terrible. Yeah, let me hit you with some some mad knowledge there. A toothache may be cured by using the ashes of the head of a dog that has died in a state of madness. Uh, <laughs> the head, however, must be burnt without the flesh, and the ashes injected with oil of cypress into the ear of the side affected. Earthworms boiled in oil and injected into the ear on the side uh, affected also afford considerable relief if you're allergic to dog head ashes. There's an alternative. Yeah. I'm sure that boiling earthworm oil will take your mind off of that tooth pain. Right. Hey, you know, if if you decided to try that lizard lizard pee to to get your thing down. Yeah. And you and you decided it was a mistake. Yeah, you need to reverse the curse. Reverse the curse with an aphrodisiac of taking the right testicle of a rooster worn as an amulet in a piece of ram's skin. Oh, nothing. God, I get horny just thinking about it. Just the thought of it's working for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. How about this one's elaborate? <laughs> Cato recommends that the urine of a person who has lived on a cabbage diet should be kept. Now, so, so somewhere there's someone earning a living just off of eating cabbage and selling their piss. It's a living. (laughs) Because when warmed, it is a cure for pains in the sinews. Uh, And he goes on to add, and I quote, 
Little boys, if you bathe them with such urine, never become weak. Jeez. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think they just figured out a long time ago to stop talking to you about shit. All right. Uh, by itself, mint. You know, mint prevents milk from turning sour or curdled and thick, for which reason it is added to milk for drinking and administered in water or honey wine to such as are choked by a curdled draft. Through the same property, it is believed to be a hindrance to generation by not allowing the genital fluids to thicken. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it also is uh, helps with uh, bleeding and uh, apparently can stay menstruation. Yeah. yeah mint. Keep, keep, yeah, mint keeps your, uh, keeps your juice loose. <laughs> oh, man. Mint, minty, yeah. minty milk. I guess they have minty milk, don't they? I, I think I've seen green milk sometimes. Uh, you know, with the banana milk and the oh, strawberry God. milk. You're just talking about shamrock shakes now. <laughs> oh, maybe they were onto something. Well, here's the thing, Flora. Uh, if nothing else, if everything else in your life is going fine, maybe uh, maybe you tied a few too many right testicles to you, and now you've got a set of inflamed testicles. Oh, of my own. Yeah, let me tell you how to fix that. Please. You just apply some raisins uh, with a meal of cumin or of coriander. Just, oh. just pack them on there. Oh, it's it's like a, a, a gold bond. Yeah. Yeah, your balls are going to smell delicious. They're going to smell like an Indian buffet. <laughs> Jeez. Lucky. These, <laughs> these are some highlights from Pliny's Playbook. Yeah. This is just a taste. Oh, my Whoa. God. There's so much more. Right? Yeah, that that is just just the slightest uh, introduction to the wild world of of Pliny's medical facts. I can I, I'm I'm gonna link the whole text to this in the show notes. So if you want to comb through, uh, it, you do it at your leisure. <laughs> yeah, get your own home medical tips. Mm-hmm. Let us end, Dave, with a few thoughts from Pliny. Yeah. Some of his uh, philosophy and, and uh, uh, deep, deep thoughts. It has become quite a common proverb that in wine there is truth. Yo, he doesn't even claim it. He just claims that somebody claimed it. That's weak. Yeah. Always act in such a way as to secure the love of your neighbor. Girl next door. <laughs> Why is it that we entertain the belief that for every purpose, odd numbers are the most effectual? Yeah. Wait to, wait, to, wait to blow the lid off that one. The best plan is, as the common proverb has it, to profit by the folly of others. I feel like the best plan is probably just to do, to, just to profit. You know, it doesn't matter how. Doesn't matter how. Just do it. Yeah, there you go. There's yeah. some there's some nuggets from our man Pliny. Oh, what a journey! I enjoyed uh, learning about Pliny. Yeah, yeah, he is the elder. Now we now we know for all the times that he that he that he pokes his his um, javelin into our research. Now we know where it's coming from, right? A military man, a curioso, 
<laughs> someone who doesn't care to verify his facts. No, nor should he. He's Pliny. He does what he wants. He lives by his own rules. <laughs> just, uh, just so many different forms of genitals tied to his head and neck. <laughs> <laughs> that is going to do it for Pliny the Elder in a horse-riding, law-abiding, dog-biting, pig's blood-hiding Jesus. <laughs> nutshell. Oh. And the nutshell had raisins and cumin applied yeah. to it liberally. Buried it in hot ash. God. You know, the one, the one history is so impressed with his work that the, the only real thing that they, that the accusation they can level at him, the only omission he made is despite having all of this knowledge put in one uh, gigantic set of 37 volumes, the lost 38th volume is, long, is, re, is uh, reported to be made up entirely of I thought it was just a uh, summary of all the books that came before. (laughs) Just padding it out. out. Flora, what do you got? Well, there was a lesser-known Roman citizen who served in the military fixing machinery and fusing broken swords back together. I don't know if you, you came across this guy at all, but... He wrote many books on how to work with metal and create strong bonds between materials. It was Pliny the Welder. Yeah, I smelled that one. It was good. It was good. I was afeard you would steal that. Do you know that um, one thing that the history accounts sort of gloss over is that for a number of years, Pliny really dropped off the map of uh, Roman society, and he, he became sort of a cult leader. Got a whole bunch hmm. of people around him, a bunch of girls. They ended up committing some murders even. And he, he spent some time in jail about it. Oh, man. Yeah. And there was, uh, there was a book written about the experience, uh, about what happened to him as this weird, crazy cult leader. Uh, it was called Elder Skelder. <laughs> All about the romance and murders. That's right. Oh, uh. It's funny, you know, many people thought that there just weren't enough cures involving dung paste or urine or genital lard, but uh, something they, they had to find out was there was plenty more where that came from. Oh, that was good. Plenty. Sort of, I just sort yeah, of slid that under the door. That was the, thin, that that was the, the thin knife right into the ribs. <laughs> right into the ribs. That was good. All right, you ready for some bunt action? Oh yeah, sometimes that's all you need to get a get a rally going. There was a uh a thought that uh there's a school of thought that some people think that Pliny the Elder, the reason why he was so smart is because he wasn't actually human. Oh. That he was actually an ancient alien. What? Yeah. George Suclos sounds. Is such a thing even possible? Yes, it is. Yeah, you f***ing a right it is. There are some accounts of Pliny going to people and placing his hand upon their face and drawing their knowledge out of their head. That, coupled with his slavish devotion to to logic, suspect that Pliny the Elder was actually Pliny the Mind Melder. (laughs) Damn it, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Curse your Vulcan fox genitals. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, man. Oh, that'll do it for puns, I believe. I think so. Them's puns. You know, Flora, though, that uh, one thing that he did not uh, account for in his, his, his writing is that- What was it? The greatest uh, source of information he got wasn't from his own travels uh, no? or even from the libraries made available to him in Rome. He got most of his information from Listener Man. And it's calling from the hills to the mountains. Listener Man. <laughs> it's the song of accusations. <laughs> and midnight recriminations, listener me. <laughs> Thanks for coming, everybody. Don't forget to tip your waitress, listener <laughs> me. <laughs> you know that reminds me, listener me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kicking it off. We got an email from Andy. Andy, oh Andy, it's got a pun. Andy writes, "Hey, Dave and David." Hey, first off, let me. <laughs> and <laughs> first off, uh, let me start by saying I fucking love the new story-based format for love for the La Llorona podcast. Well, Flora's idea. All the good ideas are Flora's. Never forget that. <laughs> Please do more of that in the future. Yes, we will. This message, however, is a rant. Oh, uh, but it wasn't. It, not to, to begin with. It was. I was. I was fooled. Uh, it's too late. Oh. How can my fat ass get into your skinny ass shirts? Make them for fat bastards too. <laughs> Having said that, I'm in the UK, so I've still got a ways to wait. Anyway, stop oppressing me. <laughs> well, uh, actually, since this was written, we have a lot more shirts. Uh, don't worry, uh, Andy. Our asses are also fat. <laughs> We've run out of shirts to wear ourselves. Yeah, indeed. I spend a lot of time in a gym now trying to defatten my ass. I don't. I break my back and then I get fatter. Yeah. Uh, well, we each were, t- we're each taking a path to pursue our happiness. Ha. Yeah, no, we, we run out of the large sizes, uh, uh, unfortunately. But uh, you know what? What works for in your favor is that the Threadless store, which does international shipping, will never run out of uh, the sizes you need. They, they have yeah. all the sizes and colors. Every and single one of designs them. Blurryphotos.threadless.com. That is where you go to find your now, shirt. I'll, I'll say this. As the proud owner of a number of Threadless shirts, I mean, we I've bought shirts from them since years and years before we ever got uh, uh, worked with them. Uh, for dudes, I'd say this. If you're worried about it, go ahead and get one size bigger, um, They the, especially if you, depending on the kind of shirt you get from them. That's the best part is that you can even pick this, the kind of T-shirt you want your shit printed on. Which is awesome. T-shirt, uh, yeah. long sleeve, V-neck, sweatshirt, baseball shower shirt, shower curtain. If you're a Spindy <laughs> McGee, <laughs> Ew. yeah. So I, I always like you. You won't be mad. It's not like you're gonna end up with the tarp if you go one size bigger. So, <laughs> <laughs> jeez. Uh, also, look on our Facebook page. We've got a code for free shipping. And yes, uh, if you if you decide to order over eighty dollars worth of of stuff, you get free shipping with that code. So check it out. Andy finishes with a pun. I'll finish with a pun of sorts and hope that you get it. Of course, we're going to get it. 
She's a ghost. She's in white. Wanders river banks at night. La 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 la, Yorona. Thanks, Andy. Keep being awesome, kids. You're without a doubt my favorite podcast. Yes. Thanks, Andy. Yes. Heard from Helly, the distracted villainous. Wait, wait, where was I? There's one thing you didn't consider, Bond. It's that I... Who makes those shoes? Those are nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She has a story to add to the La Llorona Collective. Sweet. In the northern part of San Diego County, the border of the cities of San Marcos and Escondido, there's a wooded area known as Quest Haven. (laughs) Oh, you live in a video game. It is there on a dusty dirt road under a tangled canopy of oak trees one might find the White Lady Ghost. Long ago, when the Kumiye tribe were having their first encounters with migrating Spanish and American forces, a traveling family was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Camping along the Escondido River, the family of four, mother, father, two small children, were set upon by the Kumiye. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. The attackers fell upon the husband first. There was no hope of him surviving, but he was putting up a mighty fight. It was during the struggle that the woman scooped up her children and took flight. She didn't have time to get her shoes, let alone find anything to cover her white nightdress. Barefoot in her old-timey nighty, she ran for her and her children's lives. She didn't get far into the woods when she heard her pursuers getting closer, and she knew she had to do something to save her children. That's when she found a giant oak with a hole almost like a small cave in its trunk. She put her children in the tree told the older one to take care of the smaller one and keep quiet until the Kumiye were gone. She left her children there and her plan worked. She led the attackers away. Sadly, she never returned to her children that night for she was caught and killed. To this day, her ghost wanders the dirt road searching the trees for her missing children. She'd made a promise and even in death, she was determined to keep it. I will admit, gentlemen, I spent many a teenage night out in the dark woods searching for the white lady. Never even saw a glimpse of Misty White, and I've never uncovered any historical information that would suggest the story to be true, but it was a fun pastime. These days, there's even talk of a giant and ghostly owl haunting the same area of my hometown, but I think perhaps the ones who see this giant white bird are only seeing a sandhill crane. (laughs) And also a P.S., a postscript. I was trying to create the perfect pun for Our Lady La Llorona, for she is a pretty one. Though in some stories quite young, I spent so many nights trying to see her, but she never gave me time. I was always staying up for the touch of the ghostly kind. My, yes, I will. I will read all of the knack based puns we get. <laughs> thank you, Helly. Yes, thank you very much. I got one here from. Oh, the famous and fair spear bearer from the hollow earth. Hello, oh, Dave, yes. and Dave. The beloved flower and twig team of blurry photos. It is I. Hello, Mr. Kilbane. <laughs> yes, Kilbane. Kilbane, will you? The spear bearer has a hell of a lot of great information here about base 12 counting and uh, how that would figure into numerology, which we talked a little bit um, on the Anchor Watt episode and then subsequently even more in numerology. Don't want to be a spam senderman. (laughs) Finally, I call penalty box on Stecco for lying to the king of Halloween. Gray cat fancy feast. 
I do not call for the 80 penalty boxes, which Great Cat called for. <laughs> I only call for one penalty box for that lie of one penalty box per episode that you made to Great Cat and happily admitted to. Yeah, no, here's the thing. Penalty box is, is not for lies. It's for being wrong. <laughs> I, at no point did I speak uh, incorrectly. I simply lied. <laughs> it was a willful act of misdirection. And truth be told, I feel like the end result of Grey Cat's uh, uh, expansive journey to getting his King of Halloween certificate is far more worthwhile than if I had just done something in a timely manner and emailed it to him. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see, I don't know if lying is counted as a penalty box crime before. It does not and has not. But this is a matter of spreading false information and it was lying to the King of Halloween in particular. Also, he likes listening to the penalty box. Yes. Yeah. Farewell, beloved plant men of blurry photos. Corey Roger Kilbane of the Hollow Earth. Farewell, Corey. Yeah, we're probably due for a penalty box. I just don't want to go up the river for lying because I, I want to retain the option of lying in the future. <laughs> You'd be penalty boxing every episode. Right? Instead of just <laughs> beatboxing. Dave, we've heard from Marty. Hello, Marty. Hey, guys. Long-time listener, first-time emailer. Nice. Listen to the La Llorona episode. Wow, you've outdone yourselves. I think it's your best work yet. You guys have masterfully created a new genre of entertainment, the Yeti Western. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I like that is a pun inside of a compliment inside of a high five. Yeah. That, how, that was how, masterfully done right there. <laughs> what more could we ask for? Thank you, yeah. Marty. Thanks, Marty. Got one from Nerdy Cat. Nerdy Cat. Cat, cat, cat. There's two T's and a cat. Howdy, <laughs> fellas. Howdy. Ma'am. Uh, I'm burning my way through all the shows that are archived on iTunes, and as of writing this, I have only four more to listen to until I'm all caught up. Whoa. I guess it's uh, onto the early YouTube videos after that. You two are incredible. Thank you. I would posit that you are incredible. <laughs> uh, this message is a twofer. I have a pun as well as a show suggestion if you guys are interested. Shoot. Um, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but makeup companies will sometimes release limited edition makeup products for certain times of the year. Marshmallow peep flavored lip gloss for Easter, uh, Caribbean colored nail polishes for summertime, that sort of thing. I, for one, am looking forward to this Halloween's new lipstick shade, Diet Mauve Pass. Oh. Um. As for, uh, and then she's got a great show suggestion, which is something we've actually already uh, been talking about a little bit. Uh, thank you guys so much for doing the show, your skits before each show, your impersonations, your puns, your drunken flights of whimsy, your rants. Like your tonight. Subject. Yeah. <laughs> Fly on the wings of bourbon. <laughs> uh, I love all of it. If you are ever in Western North Carolina, I will buy you both some moonshine. I shall take you up on that offer. Oh, man. Let's get yeah. blind. No sh. Thanks, Nerdy Cat. Thank you, Nerdy Cat. Here's one from Nick. Hey, Dave and David, this is Hello. the first time I've emailed. Listen to the entire archive. Almost finished the second listen through. Eee. Whoa! High here's scorer. A, here's a mundane superpower. The ability to hear and understand one animal species other than human. For example, spiders. You hear them coming for you, but you can't tell anyone because they'll think you're insane. Ooh, that is good because, yeah, like you just could never convince anyone that you understand that animal. Because it yeah. almost seems like a superpower. But if you only understand it and can't speak it, it's like uh, what is it, Cassandra, the Greek uh, uh, oh, prophetess yeah. who who and nobody no ever believed. Believe, yeah. Oh, Ugh. thank you, Nick. Yeah, thanks, Nick. 
And finishing us up this week, Red Sleeves writes, uh, I think you guys might need to go to the penalty box. What? Angkor, what? Uh, Did you guys seriously imply that the pyramids of Giza were built using slave labor? It was, that's a well-known misconception that isn't backed up by any historical sources. Uh, The pyramids were built by hired laborers, not slaves. Really? I have to look into that. If we're wrong, I would happily go to the penalty box on that one. I think we'll have to. I've looked it up, and it does look like people are starting to find evidence that uh, uh, people lived and worked around the pyramids. I didn't know. Right. I, I admit I admit to not knowing that. I'm going to I'm going to do some research. I'm going to do some research this week and if uh if that's the way that ball bounces next week, penalty box mother lickers. Oh, Thank you oh, red sleeves. Oh no, yeah, don't let me. Out. Yeah. Thanks red sleeves. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> For real, thank you though. Couple of shout outs. Like to give a shout out and a thank you to Cade, number one photon, Liger Rider, and Malaysian Steve. Thanks what? for writing in, you guys. Liger Rider. Liger That's Rider. A, I'd play that video game. But thanks to oh, yeah. everyone for writing in, listening, magnificent. downloading, liking, tweeting, harding, farting, yeah. parting company. Don't, donut, don't part company. Donut bunch and punch. Donut button punching. We appreciate everybody's continual listenership of us. And as always, the best way, the best way that you can pay homage to us, the podcast you're listening to. <laughs> Did you just ask man, them to pay homage? Because that's 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 dangerous territory there, Cheesemo. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell someone you uh you you love and or hate about us. Get some yeah. more ears in in gear for this. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. That is a, a big help because they track things by subscriptions. Yep. Give us five stars and a, a fun little review that we can read and, and brighten our day with on iTunes. Go to Facebook. Help us get to 15 Hildos. We're so close. So very close. Keep tweeting at us and, and, and doing all that stuff that you do on Twitter. Sometimes we, we get on there and we, we play along. Yeah. Go to audibletrial.com slash blurry photos. That will get you an audiobook download that you get to keep. If you don't like the membership, don't keep it. <laughs> that's their, we that's get a high their five. new theme song. That's their new uh, theme song. <laughs> Dave, I, I'm starting, I have started on Spook by Mary Roach. Oh, yeah. Yep. I I've, love I've that. I've started into that. Like we said before, we've got that threadless store where you can get all kinds of designs and, and styles and stuff. If you're in the States, please check out our store that's on our website. We've got four shirt designs there and mugs and koozies. And if you want us to say, hey, buddy, how, how's, how's it going? Good looking. <laughs> and send that, <laughs> send that to your, your significant other. We can do that in a digital message. Exactly. We'll do that. We dance for you. <laughs> so erotically. We'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, don't forget to check out the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. I went on a great screen for them last week because they're magnificent and I love them. Uh, the Dark Myths Collective, also an excellent ragtag fugitive fleet of spacefaring podcasts. Yep. One step ahead of the Cylons. Our good friend, uh, Drunk Satan Robot, has his own podcast on there, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Yeah. Check out our, our good buddies, Kyle and Cam. Expanded Perspectives are on there. Rumor Flies. Ryan, Josh, and Greg. Tilton is on there. Uh, lots of good stuff. So I think that'll uh, I think that'll about do it for us then. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, 
date does Christmas fall on this year, Dave? Oh, that's a good question. Like the 21st of December or something like that? We got time. Oh, yeah. It's always like the 20th. Yeah, it's around there. Wednesday, December 21st. Nice. 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 Hi. Yeah, we'll, we have time to, to get ourselves prepared. Yeah. All right. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of Blurry Photos. I have been David Dejaculatione Flora. <laughs> and I've been Dave the Wandering Body Part Stecco. <laughs> hey, hey, seriously, does that ground up fox testicle actually work? Does that, I said does that shut make- up. Bye. Bye.